When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Welcome everybody to the Lightning Round Podcast. I am at Garrett Sisti, Jamie at Lightning underscore round. We are covering the defensive free agents today. We're going to talk about safeties and corners and linebackers and edge and interior defensive linemen. We're going to give our top choices for all those groups uh, first, we got to give some special recognition to some of our new Patreon members. First up here is John Purcell. Thank you so much for being a part. Simon Purdue, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yep. Abby Polinski. Uh, don't recognize the name, but I'm glad you're a part. Thank you, Abby. Scott Richardson, thanks for joining the family. Hope you're enjoying it. Yeah. Richard, the boss man, has joined the Patreon. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. And Taylor Cowgill, thank you so much. Yep, Taylor, part of our uh, next tier. And a special shout-out to Alex Keith and his son, Ben Keith, who uh, both got Lightning Round Podcast t-shirts coming their way. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Alex and MVP want to get a shirt for his son. Uh, Definitely going to be the coolest father-son team on the block, that's for sure. So thank you, Alex, Taylor, Richard, Scott, Abby, Simon, John. And everybody else that wants to be a part of Patreon, go and uh, join there. We're doing some great things over there, some exclusive content, early podcasts, part of our Discord. We got stickers, shirts, merch. It's all happening. So uh, make sure you uh, join over there. So now let's get on to our uh, top defensive free agents from Jamie and myself. What we're going to do is we're going to start with linebackers and safeties. And because it's not such a big need and the class isn't all that great, to be honest, we're just going to do a top three safeties, top three linebackers, and then we're going to do our top five corners, 
top five edge defenders, and then top five interior defensive linemen. So let's start with linebackers, which uh, probably the least interesting of this defensive free agent group. So let's start with linebackers. Start with three. Who is your number three linebacker? So my number three linebacker is kind of a, a wild card. I guess you could call him kind of a lottery ticket. It's Jayon Brown, formerly of the Tennessee Titans. I'm um, with you. Same thing. <laughs> uh, I went with Jayon Brown as my number three. I see him as kind of a lottery ticket. He's a guy who has been a starter uh, in Tennessee for multiple years. Uh, for whatever reason, his career kind of fell off a cliff when Mike Vrabel got to Tennessee in 2018. But he's been productive from a tackle perspective, tackles perspective. He's been productive uh, in terms of getting to the quarterback in the past. He's been good in coverage. He's a guy who has shown he can be successful in this league. Worst case scenario, you're talking about a one-year prove-it deal with him uh, where he's coming in for a year um, for maybe a couple million bucks trying to show that he can still play. Uh, you give him a shot to compete in camp. I mean, I think we know how that turns out. You know, Murray's going to wind up winning the job. Uh, but, you know, if Murray gets hurt, when they realize he can't play linebacker, if it comes to that, you've got somebody behind him who's played at a high level on a cheap deal. So kind of throwing a lottery ticket out there with Brown, I feel like he can certainly step in and produce if needed. He provides quality depth. He'd be an upgrade in terms of depth over some of the guys that are playing behind Murray and, and Tranquil. And, you know, maybe he could even push Tranquil a little bit. So that's that's my number three, Jayon Brown. And what, what do you got in terms of uh, numbers for him? So I have a one-year prove-it deal with him. Um, I used Alex Anzalone and Nick Vigil and Alandon Roberts as comps. Uh, Anzalone and Vigil signed for uh, $1.75 million. Alandon Roberts signed for just under $2 million. Uh, Roberts has been more productive than Jayon Brown over a longer period of time, so I would say that Roberts is probably the extreme ceiling. Um I have one year, two million, with about give or take a million dollars in guarantees. All right, yeah. So I got the same exact number three, Jayon Brown. I mean, very strong side to sideline coverage linebacker. He was in line for a big payday, like you mentioned, but uh, a season-ending injury killed his free agent value. They re-signed him to a one-year prove-it deal in 2021. He's coming off two down years with seasons riddled with injuries, so. You know, like you mentioned, this is kind of your maybe a high upside lottery ticket here. You could serve as kind of a cheap contingency plan if Kaiser White is out of the picture, but he's a stellar coverage linebacker looking for a change of scenery. He's only 26. I would, I, I get the one year deal. I might move on to two, but we're the same comp. I mean, he signed a $5.3 million deal last offseason, but with back to back seasons with injuries, I just don't think he's going to get, uh, close to that. So I got Nick Vigil as the comp around 2 million. I'd probably do a two year, $4 million deal for Jayon Brown and then put that parachute after year one, just in case of more injuries, just because he's 26, I might throw in an extra year, but we're the same amount of numbers and the same guy there at number three for Jayon Brown, not super exciting. This class isn't all that uh, loaded with talent as some of the other groups here on the defense in free agency. But uh, you know, I, it just makes you kind of, Hope that Kaiser White's the play in there at linebacker when you start to get through this group. So number three, J.M. Brown for me, too. Yep, totally agree. And I, I, I would be comfortable with the two-year deal, too. It makes sense. He's 26. Maybe you get him in the door a little bit easier with a second year. Um, you put that parachute in, the ripcord, so to speak, um, after year one if he doesn't perform. But it's such a, it's such a minimal um, commitment, both in terms of years and dollars, that it just makes too much sense. 
And like I said before, you just don't want to throw a ton of money at a free agent linebacker. You don't want to go like I've seen people calling for uh, Devondre Campbell and some other guys. And uh -huh. I, to me, throwing big free agent money at a linebacker is like throwing big free agent money at a wide receiver. I just think it's stupid. So I wouldn't <laughs> do it. <laughs> uh, me neither. So, all right. Number two here is kind of a. Uh... Uh, kind of more of a fit stand, uh, standpoint for me, a guy who was a former safety transition to linebacker. It's Keanu Neal, uh, played for the Cowboys last offseason, was the former safe safety with the Falcons. Um, this is kind of like uh, we'll we'll get on to uh, safeties too, but uh, the thing that I like about Neal is the versatility is a box safety linebacker combo. You have a lot of flexibility there with your defense. Uh, this last past season was his first year as a linebacker with Dallas, recorded 72 tackles, got a sack from that spot. He dealt with injuries most of the year, but it still showed enough that he could stick at linebacker with some coverage skills, obviously, and still went learning the position. So there is some upside there. He is 26. He signed a one-year $4 million deal last offseason. So I don't, I don't think teams are going to throw a long-term deal at him. I wouldn't mind, just like with uh, Brown here, offering a second year, maybe going a little bit more than four if you're four and a half million. It's not a big, big dump off. So I go two year, nine million. But, you know, this, even though Keanu Neal wouldn't be on the field the entire time, it would cut, he's not going to come with a large price tag, but he's a movable piece on defense. Uh, he's going to add some help at the second level and hap, uh, ha a pass happy league. You know, if you take a swing on some other like versatile, safeties later this is a nice consolation prize in free agency for kind of that hybrid safety linebacker so i got keanu neal as my number two my number two is a landon roberts formerly of the dolphins and patriots um mm -hmm. for me roberts is just a a steady plug and play middle linebacker he's good against the run he's pretty good in coverage doesn't offer too much as a pass rusher uh but he's steady he's productive he's smart he knows where he's supposed to be gets the job done He's been a really consistent uh, source of tackles for loss. Um, anytime you start at least 11 games in a season, he's averaging seven tackles for loss, seven tackles for loss per season. And that's all against the, the, the run because he's not a pass rusher. So highly productive, comes downhill, makes tackles, uh, smart. You know, he's played in complex schemes, having played for Belichick and Flores. I think there's some, some, uh, translatability there uh with with staley's scheme and you know there's nothing flashy about him but he's going to be a vocal leader he's got postseason experience i think he's going to hold guys accountable he could be a really good mentor for guys like murray and tranquil you notice i'm not mentioning kaiser white in these <laughs> comments because i don't think the chargers are going to resign him so i'm looking at this as somebody who can come in and you know kind of fill in when guys are hurt or not playing well but somebody who they're not seeing as a huge threat to, to either tranquil or murray but can help them along so for Roberts, I have a one-year $2.75 million deal with around a million and a quarter, million, 1.33 million in guarantees. I used John Bostick's $2.5 million con dollar contract as well as Denzel Perriman and Christian Kirksey's $3 million contracts as comps. Those guys all got multiple years. I don't think Roberts will. I wouldn't object too harshly if they did give him uh, a second year, but I don't think it's necessary. So he, I just see him as a guy who can step in, fill the role pretty easily and, and hopefully be something of a vocal leader at the second level and help bring some of the young linebackers along. Landon Roberts is a good one. Almost made my list. Uh, definitely a guy worth checking out. So let's go with number one. This is going to be a quick group. So who's your number one linebacker? 
My number one linebacker um, is Josie Jewell. Um, oh, okay. Formerly the Broncos. And the reason that I went with him is because I think he is a guy who they can get on a one-year deal. Maybe you go two, but you don't need much more than that. He's not going to command a lot of money. He's smart. He's really good in coverage. Uh, Jewell does not miss a lot of tackles. He was a starter for one year and set careers high as in tackles, sacks, tackles for loss, QB hits, and pass breakups. Um, and he's extremely familiar with the scheme because he played under Brandon Staley in 2019 in Denver. And they played a similar scheme in Denver the last couple of years. So I think he's a really good, low risk, stable, potentially high reward signing for the Chargers. Uh, he's a guy who I could easily see beating out one of either Tranquil or Murray in camp um, just because I think he's really smart and he gets the job done, even though he isn't flashy. And if he doesn't, He's a perfect guy who can slide in his depth. He's not going to come in expecting to start more than likely. He's a guy who's earned everything he's had in the league, and I think he'd be a good influence on the locker room. So I have a one-year $2.75 million deal for him, about a million and a quarter in guarantees. I use TJ Edwards at $2.15 million, Jalen Reeves-Mabin at $2.337 million, and Camus Grugler-Hill at $2.5 million as the comps. And just because the cap went up and um, he's the next guy to sign. I have him get making a little bit more than all those guys, but one year, 2.75 million, not a big commitment. And you'd probably, he'd probably outperform the contract if he got on the field consistently. Yeah. 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 We liked him coming out of college. He, he was a name we liked out of Iowa. He was a good one. Um, let's uh, so number one for me is in my thinking here, you're placing Kaiser white and you want to get your starting linebacker in it's Foye Oluwakon from the Falcons. Uh, kind of really going under the radar here. Uh, really good speed. They ran him at every linebacker spot. He just set the NFL record for most combined tackles in a season at 192. He's also an effective blitzer with two sacks last season. It's back-to-back -back seasons with over 110 tackles and two sacks, and he's forced to fumble in every year of his career. He had four last season. He's really good in coverage, gets his hands on balls. He had three interceptions and six pass defense in 2021. Alua Khan played the majority of his snaps between Mike and Will while also getting some run off the edge. He's 26, kind of ascending, but not a huge name. His market value to me is probably in that Jared Davis range, uh, which is over $5 million. So I got, because he's 26, a three-year $15.5 million deal, which is a little over $5 million. Uh, this is much like Kaiser White in the sense that um, – he, but he's got better stats and he's improving. It's an ascending player who's going on his second contract. If you want to replace a linebacker one for one, if you're not re-signing Kaiser White, Aluakon is a guy that's much more productive and is uh, just playing out of his mind the last couple of years. So this could be the Kaiser White replacement if they don't just decide to re-sign him. Aluakon, uh, a lot of fun to watch and a name that's kind of going on the radar in this uh, not only defensive class, but in this linebacker class too interesting so i, I like it I, I just have a feeling that they already have their kaiser white replacement in in Kenneth murray oh oh that's what you think they're thinking that's what i think they're thinking okay well i'm thinking what i'm thinking this is if i am <laughs> the charter gm my list damn it i'm not going i'm not going by telesco fuck that noise let's go uh, <laughs> so let's move on to safety uh i'll go ahead and start 
Uh, we're going to do a top three here for safety two, and then we'll go top five for corner edge and uh, interior defensive, li defensive linemen. So I'll start here with uh, my first safety, and um, you know, there I don't I don't believe there's a lot of great names here. So number three for me, and I wanted to find kind of versatile pieces that you can kind of interchange in a defense. And for me, number three is Jabril Peppers a guy we dogged during the draft process, but um, somebody that could help at the second level. Uh, traded from Cleveland, New York. Hasn't really lived up to that draft stock. In 2021, he suffered a knee injury that ended his season with New York. He's athletic, not good in space, but uh, good as a box safety and a pretty good run defender. So as a fit, Peppers would be that nickelbacker in the Chargers defense, getting, giving them some flexibility. He has his limitations in coverage, but as a rotational safety in the box, it makes sense. Uh, Peppers will probably want a three-year or four-year deal, but I don't think he's going to be able to do that. And I think it's got to be a prove-it deal to prove it is worth from here on out. He's been traded. His snaps is deflated in New York. He had a knee injury last season. I'm giving him a one-year, $2.5 million deal. Uh, somebody that's going to have to prove his worth. He's an athletic safety, can give this defense some depth and flexibility on the short term. They've already got Derwin James. They've already gotten a Sierra Adderley. They've got Mark Webb, Aloha Gilman. You're now talking about that linebacker, kind of the Keanu Neal, like I was talking about earlier, linebacker type, safety type, that's athletic enough to hang on the second level. Uh, wouldn't be, wouldn't have too many holes uh, in your linebacker course. So I've got Jabril Peppers as my number three. How about you? Um, I so I also looked for guys who I thought were versatile, who could give the Chargers some options in their secondary. Um, I was looking more towards guys who might enable um, Nasir Adderley to play more slot because I think he's better suited to playing slot than safety. I got a couple um, of those too. So go ahead. So I, my first guy, my first pick is, or my number three safety, I should say is Jordan Whitehead, formerly mm -hmm. the bucks. Um, he's a guy who has been productive, but he's not at the top of the safety, the free agent safety class. He's probably somewhere in the, the second, like the five to 10, five to 12 range, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. Young, productive. He can play both safety spots. Uh, he can play in the box. Uh, he can play some slot if you need him to. He's good in coverage. He's not uh, a playmaker in the sense that he's not going to get his hands on a lot of footballs. He's not going to intercept a lot of passes, um, but he's durable. He's productive. He's a good tackler and he's good in coverage. I think he's going to wind up somewhere in the neighborhood of what John Johnson got last year. Um, I have him at a four year, $42 million deal with $25 million guaranteed. Uh, and I used Adrian Amos and Jimmy Ward, Logan Ryan and John Johnson as comp. So Amos and Ward are kind of this, the floor and Johnson is the ceiling. I think, I think he's going to come in somewhere around nine to $10 million a year, um, is whitehead. And I think mm -hmm. if you bring him in, he can play some free safety. He can play some strong safety. You can play him in some slot, maybe use him as the dime linebacker when you need to. Um, and that gives you the ability to maybe play Derwin on the line of scrimmage a little bit more, maybe play Naz in the slot a little bit more. It just gives you more options and make you, it makes you a little bit harder to predict. Yeah. All right. So how about number two? Uh, my number two. So my number two is Marcus Williams. Um, oh, all right. He's somebody who I really like. It's probably not likely that they'll sign him, but he's good. Yeah, he's really good. Um, Williams is a guy who I loved him coming out of Utah. He's extremely athletic, covers a ton of ground, gets his hands on a lot of footballs and has great ball skills. And he's a pretty physical tackler too. And like Whitehead, 
He can play both safety positions. I think he could probably play him in the slot if he needed to. Uh, but you really probably want him playing deep more often than not so he can cover center field. Uh, Williams, to me, is an elite ascending playmaker in the secondary who would give the Chargers defense a ton of flexibility with matchups. He's going to command a ton of money. I think he's going to probably wind up making 14 to $15 million a year. I used Buda Baker and Justin Simmons as comps. And I have a four-year, $62 million deal with $40 million in guarantees. And this the whole purpose of this would be to set up Derwin to be able to play closer to the line of scrimmage more often mm -hmm. and give you some options in terms of playing Naz in the slot, which I think he's better suited to doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so I've, I've got an option here much uh, cheaper than Williams. He priced out for me. Love the talent, obviously uh, one of the top safeties in this class, but um, he, he priced out for me. So I got kind of a cheaper option. Uh, same thing. It's Marcus May from the jets. Uh, he was ascending in 2020, just tried to franchise, uh, franchise tagged him. He went on that one-year deal. He bet on himself, and then in 2021, uh, the Jets started to decrease, uh, decrease his snaps, and he tore his Achilles. He never really came back. So he's a free safety with range, which means, uh, like you're talking about, move Nasir Adderley. You got uh, Derwin closer to the line of scrimmage, too. Uh, that makes Adderley more of a movable piece. He played some corner in college. You talked about some slot would be a good improvement there. I, you know, Adderley improved in every element last season. But when he had the opportunities on the back end, he was never able to really make those plays on the balls and get those interceptions. So this would be the guy that could make those plays on the back end and also give Nasir Adderley a better role. Near line of scrimmage, same with Derwin, and you'd have Marcus May on the back. You've got uh, May, who's turning 29, and will probably need another one-year prove-it deal on a down season following an injury. So I like the idea of having Nasir Adderley close to line of scrimmage. You can use his physicality in the box cover some slot and may wouldn't cost a lot. So for me, this is some depth of free safety. If you want to keep Nasir Adderley there, but you've got the flexibility to move Adderley in the box. I've got a one year, five, uh, one year, $5 million deal with a potential high reward for a guy like Marcus may. So a little bit cheaper, but has that flexibility for Nasir Adderley, uh, that, you know, we're both kind of thinking there. And number one for me, and I'm, we might agree on this one and it's Tyron Matthew. <laughs> it's, it's pretty easy. He's kind of the uh, heads and shoulders above uh, the safeties in this class. I know charger fans will love it. It's the best safety fit on the market. Um, I don't, I don't love, love it only because of the money and the age. But if we're talking about strictly safety, this is the absolute by far best option for the chargers. He's got position versatility, football IQ leadership. It'll help the Chargers defense right away. You have the ability to have Matthew and Derwin at the second level, be, uh, second level, being able to mix and match coverages with two dudes that can play anywhere on the field. That is so incredibly valuable for a defense. Uh, Matthew is a utility weapon. The Staley could really take advantage of and would most importantly, take the load off of Derwin which would really, really help him out, who basically had to do everything last year in 2021 for the Chargers defense. So now you have a guy that can do a lot of what Derwin does. They can mix and mash, take the load off Derwin. The issue, obviously, is that Matthew wasn't the player he was when he signed three years ago with the Chiefs. He's going to be 30 this season, and he's going to be probably pretty pricey. His market value is three-year, 50 million, so I'm somewhere around the 16.5 million per year. But he's got to do it all role most likely worth that price even for a veteran in his 30s. So in that regard, I'm not sure there's another free agent on the market who's going to contribute more from a role standpoint standpoint than signing a guy like Tyron Matthew because he can do basically everything in match Derwin. It'll be a huge boost. Downside is you're sinking costs into a DB. 
a veteran who's aging when you've got bigger needs on the horizon. But I mean, there's no denying that Matthew would absolutely help the Chargers defense. It would help Derwin and would be probably the most valuable pick in free agency. Are we agreed there on the number one? Yes. Matthew's also my number one. He's probably going to be my number one overall defensive player when we get to that later okay. in the offseason. Um, agree with everything you said. You're talking about a guy who could play free safety, strong safety, slot, dime linebacker. You can use him as a blitzer. He can play edge. He can probably slide outside and play corner if you need him to. He's a great matchup weapon. He would take a ton of pressure off of Derwin. Could free Derwin up to play closer to the line of scrimmage. Everything about it makes a hell of a lot of sense. I think if there's one guy that really solves a lot of the Chargers' problems on this free agent market outside of the defensive lineman, mm-hmm. it's Tyron Matthew. I think it just makes so much sense. Um, I think I'm a little lower on the on the market value just because he's 30, and that was the hurdle for me. Is you know our number one rule with free agency is you don't sign dudes over 30. Uh-huh. Um, and he's turning 30 this year. So I'm kind of breaking my own rule here, but <laughs> I think he's so good and there isn't really a whole lot of sign of decline with him and actually bringing him, put him on the defense with Derwin and with Nasir Adderley, you could maybe extend him a little bit in terms of rolling back his snap counts a little bit and keep him fresher later in the season because you've got pieces that you can move around. So I think he makes a ton of sense and he, he probably, I think you could sign him to a three-year deal and not be all that concerned about it, even at his age. But if you want to build in a, a, an out clause after year two, it would make a lot of sense just to protect mm-hmm. against injury and decline. Yeah. Um, I have him at a three-year $44 million contract with 30 million in guarantees. I used Eddie Jackson at, 14.6 million Buddha Baker at 14.75 million and Justin Simmons at 15 and a quarter million as the comps. I have him just under $15 million. Mm. I could easily see him going to 16. I, I went at 15 because I figure he's still productive. He's probably going to get something of a raise, but he's 33. He's not going to get a long-term deal. So I think there's, there's kind of a middle ground there. And it sounds like he wants to play with Derwin based on some of the things we've been seeing on social <laughs> media. So maybe he'll take a little bit of a discount to play with his buddy. Who knows? But it it makes a ton of sense. It makes Derwin better. It takes pressure off of Matthew. It makes Naz better. It helps in the slot. You can move Naz, Derwin, and Matthew all around as much as you want to in various different positions. Makes you much less predictable, much less easy, much more difficult to account for it's it's hard not to get excited about a deal like that. Yeah, yeah, I got the uh, Harrison Smith comp. I was just a a tier above you, but yeah, it's so it's probably going to be somewhere between fourteen and sixteen million. We're we're close, but I man, you can't deny how valuable a guy like Matthew would be to this Chargers defense for no. sure. And I get why he'd be number one. I I get it. All right, so let's move on to corner. Um, we got, we're going to do our top five here, start with corner and then move on to edge, but go ahead. Let me get, let me hear your number five corner on your list. All right. So I went back and forth with a few guys at number five. Um, I have some more experienced guys, guys that are ascending, have better track records at the top. My, my, the bottom of my list is more guys who I think are um, kind of, I guess, not bargain deals, but guys who you can maybe get for a little bit less who will outperform the contract. So 
My number five is Sidney Jones, uh, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Jones had a fantastic year last year. Now he is a guy who has been hurt. Um, he, he came into the league injured. I think he had a knee or a foot injury when he came out of the draft. He was a guy who everybody thought would be a first round pick and the injury pushed him down the board into the second round, but he still had that first round pedigree in terms of his tape in college. Um, and he's a guy who gets better. He's been getting progressively better every year. And he finally played his first full season last year and played, had his best season, played 16 games for the first time, started 11, set a career high in tackles and pass breakups. Uh, more than doubled his career high at snap count last year uh, while posting the best opposing quarterback rating and completion percentage stats of his career. He's a guy who can play zone. He can play um, man. He's very physical um, at the line of scrimmage. He, I think, can play quarterback one, cornerback two, or slot. He gives you a lot of options with how you want to mix and match with Zant and with Mike Davis. And he's a guy who you can probably get on a two to three year deal for very minimal guarantees, who I think by year two or three is outperforming the contract that you signed him for. So I use Trayvon Young at 4.6 million, Anthony Brown at 5.1 million, Jason Verrett at 5.5 million, and Mike Hilton and Jalen Mills at 6 million as the comps. Um, I came in at three years, 18 million with about five or $6 million guaranteed. And if you're worried about the injuries, you build in an escape clause after year two to protect against injuries. But I really think Sidney Jones is a guy who is trending up in a big way. And if you get him on the field, I would not be at all surprised if he is cornerback two and Zant is playing in the slot very early in the season. And he could even ascend to be quarterback CB1 um, by the end of the year. So my number five is Sidney Jones. Which is a guy you loved during the draft process. Yep. Loved. Loved Washington. Him. It, we're at the draft class where we're, we're at the free agent class where we've gone so far and done this podcast so long that the guys that we, <laughs> we love during the draft are now free agents. That's how long we've been doing. There are yeah. three or four of them just in this class. Yeah. yeah I, I know, it's wild. It's wild. All right. Number five for me is Steven Nelson. He's the corner from the Eagles. Uh, he's a veteran who was a high end CB two for Philadelphia opposite uh, Darius Slay last season, adequate in coverage, uh, still a really good tackler. Uh, really strong in the run game. He is an upgrade for the Chargers at corner, but also Nelson, Nelson has played both inside and outside, so there's some flexibility there as well. With this move, you don't have your true number one corner at that spot, but you improve your corner rotation from a year ago. He signed a one-year $4 million deal last summer looking for a long-term deal that just didn't come, but I'd sign Nelson for no more than two years and maybe give him a little bit of a pay bump and uh, about in the same range as you're talking about with Sidney Jones, a five per year. I've got a two-year, $10 million deal in the range of Anthony Brown, uh, which he got with Dallas. So Nelson could serve as your Chris Harris Jr. replacement right, way, right away in the slot if you just want to trade one for one there, but has the versatility to play outside as well if injuries occur. So I've got Steven Nelson as my number five. Yeah, Nelson. So full disclosure, I went back and forth between Jones and Nelson as my number <laughs> uh -huh, five. Yeah. Um, and the only reason I picked Jones is because I Nelson is 29, I think, mm -hmm. and his numbers dropped off a little bit last year. Mm -hmm. And now that could be scheme related, but he was not as productive or reliable last year as he has been in years past. Although he has, he did have like a four or five year run of being pretty damn good. So yeah, maybe he bounces back in the in the right role in the right scheme. Um, but that's a that's a great pick. Uh, somebody who, if he was maybe a year or two younger, he probably would have been my number five. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very steady in Pittsburgh this year in Philadelphia. A uh, little bit of decline, but still, I think worth a shot in free agency. So uh, this is where I know that you're going for bargain, but I'm, I'm just going for broke here in this. I, I, class. not all my picks are bargains. Okay, all right, good, good, good. So number four for me is Darius Williams from the Rams. Uh, a lot of people know the name, obviously. Developed into a true player with Los Angeles, uh, 2020 with Brandon Staley as a DC. He was working as that third DB in his system and ran away with it in 2020, earning that CB2 role by the end of the season. Finished that year with four interceptions, including a big pick in the playoffs. He is best playing off man and zone with a really good break on the ball. The downside is, for me, he's another undersized corner. He's 5'9", with Asante Samuel kind of being a smaller corner too. The Chargers kind of start to lack size there, but the player in the fit makes sense for a corner who's improving every season and has the familiarity with Staley and the system. Darius got the franchise tag last offseason, looking for a long-term deal this offseason. He's probably, to me, probably going to land in that Adoree Jackson, Shaquille Griffin range. I've got him at $13 million per year. So a three-year, $40 million deal makes sense to me. Seems like one of the more realistic options here at corner. A lot of it lines up. The Rams have a lot of free agents assigned. They lack the cap space at the moment. Uh, probably a possibility Williams could hit the market. So, I mean, this all makes sense. It all aligns there with the familiarity with uh, Staley and a really good corner. So I've got Darius Williams at number four. He is on my list. We're just not quite to him yet. Okay. Um, so my number four is Traverius Ward, formerly of the Chiefs. Uh, Ward is a guy you mentioned your concerns about uh, Williams's lack of size. Mm -hmm. Ward plays at about six foot, 200 pounds. So he's got the size you're looking for. Uh, he also adds an element of speed. The Chargers secondary currently lacks. I believe he runs about a four, four forty. Uh, Ward is a guy who's a three-year starter for the Chiefs and spent most of 2021 matched up with the opposing team's number one wide receiver. Uh, Ward responded with the best season of his career, uh, including a 71.2 PFF grade, 10 pass breakups, and two INTs. He's not an INT machine. He's not a guy who's going to have a ton of pass breakups, but he is around the football, and he was around the football more last year than he had been in previous years. So you could see those PBU numbers and the INT numbers tick up a little bit um on on his next team it certainly seems like he's ascending um ward finished the 2021 season with his highest tackle total as well as tying his career highs in pbus and ints despite missing four games which tells you how much he was around the football uh, i think the biggest question for me with ward is durability he's missed at least two games in three of the last four years and missed four last year and some teams may not consider him more than a cornerback too. So he probably won't get top money. He'll probably be somewhere in that second to third tier range. I have Chidobi Awuzie, uh, Vontae Maddox, Michael Davis, Kendall Fuller, and Ronald Darby as my comps. So I started in about the 7 to $8 million range and wound up in the $10 million range. I have... Um, I have Ward getting four years, $37 million, $18 million guaranteed. He's a guy who probably is going to wind up outplaying his next contract. He's either going to be a really high-end cornerback two or kind of a low- to mid-level cornerback one, and I think there's some value there with him. So Traverius Ward is my number three. Okay, well – um, I warned, I was going, I warned, oh yeah, you got to go for number three. I was just about to unleash here, but <laughs> give me, give me your number three. So my number three is Levi Wallace. 
uh, from the Bills. So Wallace is another young ascending corner. He's, I believe, 6'1 or 6'2, plays at around 190, 200 pounds. So he's got the size you're looking for. Uh, he's played over 800 snaps two of the last three years. And his opposing quarterback rating and completion percentage have improved each of the last two years. He's averaged nine pass breakups and two INTs per season over the last three years, primarily serving as Buffalo's cornerback two. He did serve as their cornerback one for about five or six weeks at the end of the season last year when Tredavious White got hurt and played quite well. He's played at least 16 games in at, at least in two of the last three years. So he's a guy who is durable and who's going to be on the field, has experience playing um, cornerback one and cornerback two. I think the real questions with him are his long speed and the ability to hold up as a cornerback one, but he'd be a real solid cornerback two. So I have Wallace. I used Michael Davis, Ronald Darby, Bradley Roby, and Adoree Jackson as comps. And I have a three-year, $34.5 million deal with $21.5 million guaranteed for Levi Wallace. All right. Well, uh, so I right, this is one of the biggest needs for the Chargers, and I'm I'm willing to go in here and get yourself a CB1. And that's why even at number three, I got Stefan Gilmore of the Panthers. Uh, he's obviously one of the more talented corners in this free agent class, but he's 32 and that's the issue. He was injured part of 2021 with the Panthers, but when he was healthy, he only allowed a completion rate of 43% when targeted, only allowed four yards per reception and collected two interceptions. Gilmore has still got it, even at 32. He's still one of the best corners in the league. While this isn't a long-term investment, this is the type of move, kind of like the Rams of Von Miller, where you sign an aging star to take over for for you for a few years. Even as age, he's a top five corner, would improve the run game, really upgrade the Chargers defense. He's probably going to get around 14 to 15 million. You're talking like Marcus Peters, James Bradbury range. I'd offer a two-year $28 million deal, give myself an out after next season, just in case of decline. But the talent is there. Uh, the, the talent makes a ton of sense, but the age pushed Gilmore down my list. Uh, this would be just a home run signing with a fill in for a couple of years while you develop or draft a corner. And, uh, this is one that'll elevate the Chargers defense right away. So Stefan Gilmore, number three for me. Yeah. I Gilmore didn't make my list. Um, uh -huh. I stuck with the no signing over the age of 30 rule yep. with him. Uh -huh. Um, I think he's going to be 33 this year. He's quickly approaching that that area where you're going to start to see a drop off. Um, I'm just not comfortable with that. I think he's a good corner. And if this mm -hmm. was two or three years ago, I would have been all over it. I'm just a little concerned about wear and tear, and you know, especially at skill positions where speed is so vital. Um, you know, being able to hang with some of the younger, faster receivers in this league. Can he hang with a with a Tyreek Hill for the next couple of years? I think that's kind of questionable. So I, he's not on my list, but I, I understand why he's on your list. Yeah. And I, I, I completely hear you, but, uh, did not look like he dropped off and, uh, I, a guy I'm willing to take a shot on there. And I know, I know the rule, uh, and we <laughs> might break it here uh, a time or two as we move on, uh, number two. And again, I mean, th this is another name that, uh, I'm a big fan of and, uh, a guy that's going to, Cost a lot of money, and it's Carlton Davis of the Buccaneers. He developed into a true CB1 with the Bucs. He used him quite often to shadow the team's best receiver. He's so smart and aggressive. This past season, QBs combined for a pass rating of 83.2 in targeting Davis. The tackling is the only hole in his game, but 
not enough to prohibit him from having a fat deal this offseason. Davis is going to get paid like a top five corner, being only 25 and being one of the best corners on the market. But I don't think he hits that Ramsey edge. So I don't think he's going to get 20 million per year. I think he's right up against it. We're talking Marshawn Lattimore, Marlon Humphrey, what what they got. And it's probably going to be a five-year deal. So it's going to be five-year, 97 million. You're talking 19.5 annually. There's a strong possibility that Tampa Bay could franchise tag Carlton Davis, but they are 3 million over the cap. They have talked about how they're going to try to bring Chris Godwin back, which means they might franchise tag him. So they might have to let Carlton Davis go and hit the market. And if they do, he should be a top priority to help elevate the Chargers defense. A young budding star. You got your CB one of the future. Send him to a fight, a fat deal, 19 and a half million annually, which is a lot, but still worth it in a big area of need for the Chargers. I like Davis. He's also on my list. We're just oh, not quite okay. there yet. Hey, um, nice. All right. <laughs> Give it to so, me. Number two. My number two is Darius Williams. Okay. So uh, Williams, I think he's tiny. He's like slot corner size. So you kind of worry about his ability to hold up against bigger, more physical receivers over the long haul. Um, but he is a very, very good player. Uh, you mentioned he kind of plays off man and zone. He's very quick to break on the ball. He's always around the football. He's demonstrated solid ball skills. Uh, Williams' total tackles have increased each of the last two years. His ball production slipped a little bit in 2021, didn't have any INTs, only had nine pass breakups, uh, and he missed three games last year. So I don't think it's – I think it's pretty reasonable to question whether or not he's a an honest-to-goodness cornerback one. He's obviously very talented. He would add a lot to the defense. But is he somebody who could take some pressure off of Mike Williams as a CB1? I'm not sure that he is. Um but he's still worth an investment. So I think he's going to wind up somewhere in the top eight to 11, eight to 12 corners uh, in terms of average annual value. I used Adoree Jackson, Shaquille Griffin, and William Jackson as comps. So somewhere in the 13 to $14 million range, I have a four-year $55 million deal with $35 million in guarantees, um, which is a lot to commit to somebody that you're, if you're not sure he's a number one corner, but I think he's in, I think that puts him in kind of the right classification in terms of, uh, you know, who he's, who he's compared to and, and where he fits in from a salary structure. So yeah, that's my number two is Darius Williams. Yeah. We're in the same range. You gave him uh, one more year than I did, but makes, makes some sense. All right. So talk to me about, uh, your number one, Carlton Davis. So my number one is Carlton Davis. Uh, yes. He is, I for me, I mean, Davis is kind of the, he's the the definition of the modern corner. He's 6'1", 210. He's long. He's physical. Uh, plays well in man and zone. Has the size and strength to match up with the big receivers in today's game. Uh, Davis is always around the football. He's logged 48 pass breakups in the last three years. He doesn't have great ball skills, but maybe that's something that evolves over time. And he does have six interceptions over the last three years. I think the biggest concerns you mentioned, tackling is a bit of an issue with him. Durability is an issue. Um, he has yet to play a full season and has missed 14 games in his four years in the league, which is about 22% of his possible games that he could have played. So that's something you want to kind of hedge against. Uh, probably shouldn't be paid like a top five corner based on the body of work and the durability concerns but I think he's going to be solidly in the next, the, the next tier of five to seven guys. So I used Marcus, Peter, Trey Waynes, 
James Bradbury, Xavier Howard, and Byron Jones as comps. And I came up with a five-year, $78 million deal with $56 million in guarantees. And I would put in a, put in an eject button after either year two or year three just to protect against some of the injury concerns. But Davis, I mean, I liked him a lot coming out. He's a fantastic corner. He's a guy who can really match up with pretty much anybody. And he's physical enough to match up with those big receivers that tend to give the Chargers some problems. So he would be the cornerback one that you lock down for me for the next five years. And I think he he, he changes the defense in a big way. Yeah, I agree. He's my number two, big fan of his, and we were a big fan of him coming out of college. Yeah, so number one is probably no surprise. It's J.C. Jackson of the Patriots. Uh, I mean, if you're going to – if you got the money, uh, make your move, sign the best free agent on the market and one of the biggest needs on the team. I was screaming into the ether last offseason when the Pats placed a second-round tender on him, hoping the Chargers would make a move. Alas, they did not. But he's been uh, – Jackson's been vocal about how he and the Pats haven't been close in contract talks. So I think the Chargers should take advantage to get a, a young corner who is a top-five CB in this league and a turnover technician. He's had 25 interceptions in four seasons, nine picks in 2020, eight last season, and that's why he goes by Mr. INT. He is going to want to be paid like a top-five corner and reset the market, and in my mind – he absolutely deserves it. Five year, hundred five million. He's making twenty one million, and it makes him higher paid corner than Jalen Ramsey, and the highest paid corner in the NFL. And I understand a lot of people are going to scoff at that, but if you just look at JC's numbers, he is better statistically in almost every category. Jackson has had more picks in the last two years than Ramsey has in his whole career. So to me, JC Jackson is the type of player you pay 20 to 21 million per year for. He's consistently the best at his position for several years. He has the consistency, has the turnovers. You don't have to worry about drafting a CB in the draft. You improve your defense immediately, and you lock you have a lockdown quarter to combat guys like Patrick Mahomes and the rest of the AFC quarterbacks that you're gonna have to compete with if you want to make the playoffs. So for me, this is the man. Number one on my list, JC Jackson. And I know that the number is going to scare a lot of people, but I think he is one of the few players that's going to deserve it this offseason. Um, Jackson's great. I love him. Uh, I just I have a hard time seeing the Chargers spending 20-plus million dollars on a corner. Um, Would you? That's the question. Are you? I for mean, a player if, like J.C. Jackson. For a player like J.C. Jackson – because I, I already know the answer. Would you rather pay Mike Williams or JC Jackson 20 million? I already know the answer is yes, JC Jackson. Yes, but, I would. Go ahead. I, would yes. I would rather pay JC Jackson than Mike Williams $20 million for sure. Yes. Uh, yep. And Jackson is by far the best corner on the market. I guess I just, I don't think it's realistic to expect it to happen. So that's why he didn't make my list, but I oh, totally man. get why he's on your list. All right. Okay. Let's go on to edge. We got uh, edge top five and we got our, in uh, interior defensive lineman, uh, top five. I'm going to start, uh, and I'm going to go at number five and it is Harold Landry of the Titans for me at edge. Uh, Landry is a hell of a pass rusher. He's going to get paid, but his versatility is what makes him a great fit for me for the chargers. Staley asked a lot of his pass rushers as a DC with the Rams, uh, and had Leonard Floyd drop back in coverage quite a bit. And there isn't an edge defender who's dropped into coverage more than Landry has the past three seasons. That's also to say Landry has the flexibility to cover, but 
could also get a hell of a lot more passing reps inside opposite Joey Bosa as well. He's coming off his most effective season as an edge, career high in sacks with 12 and tackles at 68. The downside is while Landry is coming off his best year to date, he hasn't consistently put up those numbers in Tennessee. In 2018, he had four, four and a half sacks. 2020, he had five and a half. He's only had double-digit sacks once in his four-year career. He had nine in 2019. You have to question if Landry's production correlates with the talent that Tennessee added last offseason. They put uh, Bud Dupree on their defensive line. They've got Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry. But for the Chargers, it's less of an issue because they've already got Joey Bosa rushing on the other side. So hopefully adding – and then you know we hope that they add some talent inside as well like Tennessee did. So at 25, I think Landry will probably get a contract near $17 million, which is about where Bud Dupree is sitting at right now, what he got with the Titans. So a five-year $85 million deal for Landry only because of the inconsistent sack numbers that kind of drive up contracts. I think he's more at the $17 million range. But this is a long-term answer as your second edge with Harold Landry entering his prime. And I assume Titans will probably tag him, but they just signed Bud Dupree to a big deal. Uh, I, they don't have a lot of cap room, so it's possible he hits the market. But Harold Landry, a lot of talent, your edge number two for years to come. I've got him as my number five. I love Landry. I would have put him uh -huh. on my list, but I don't think he's going to hit the market. I think he'll get franchise tagged. So... That's why he's not on my list. Okay. Um, my number five. So I'm going to kind of work up from like a bargain rate up to the top of my list. So okay. my number five is somebody who I think is ascending, but he's dealt with some injuries and probably will not get a very big contract. And that is Lorenzo Carter, formerly of the Giants. Um, Carter it had nine and a half sacks and 40 pressures in his last two full seasons. He missed almost all of 2020 with a ruptured Achilles, but finished 2021 with five sacks in his final four games. He's been solid in coverage during his time in the league. He set a career high in tackles in 2021. There's still enough questions about him after the Achilles injury and, and some up and down production that I think he probably will not get a huge deal. I think you'd probably get him for a couple of years. I use Tyus Bauer, uh, Dietrich Wise, and Emmanuel Ogba as as contract comps and I'm at two years, 15 million, $9 million guaranteed. I think he is an upgrade over Ochenna Nwosu, but he's going to come at much at a much lower cost. Mm -hmm. um, he has, he had, he had five sacks, I think in his rookie season and four and a half sacks this season. So he's a guy who has shown the ability to get to the quarterback when he's healthy and on the field. And it seems like he was ascending towards the end of the 2021 season, but still has some, something to prove. So Lorenzo Carter is my number five. Okay. What's number four? I had a tough one with number four. Uh, my number four, and now that I'm about to say, I don't like it as much as I did when I wrote it, but I'm going <laughs> to go with it anyway. Um, my number four is Randy Gregory. Um, Cowboys. It's a good name. So Gregory for me is a guy who I think he slots in really well as the edge rusher number two. He has some questions about his history, both on the field and off the field. He's had some injury issues. He's had the well-reported issue with an addiction to weed where he couldn't give up weed to stay on the field. But he's been on the field for two straight seasons now, tied a career high with 21 sacks. I'm sorry, six sacks in 2021. Um, his pressure numbers, QB hits, QB knockdowns, all increased each of the last two years. He's always been a steady source of about six sacks per season when he's on the field. Uh, 
like I said, considerable injury and off the field issues should help depress his value some, and it should depress the length of the contract. There are there is some thought that the Cowboys might franchise tag him, but I think it's much more likely that Cow- the Cowboys will franchise tag Dalton Schultz. I don't think they need to franchise tag Randy Gregory to keep him, but I used Olivier Vernon at eleven million, Jason Pierre-Paul at twelve and a half million, and Yannick Ngakwe at thirteen million as comps. Um, I'm at two years, 25 million with about $18 million guaranteed. I would not go past two years with Gregory just because of the injury and off field issues. But if he's healthy, I think he's a, he has a chance to be an extremely dominant, um, edge number two playing opposite Joey Bosa. Um, and he can stand up, he can play with his hand in the dirt. He's, he's a versatile piece that they can move around. So, um, Randy Gregory is my number four. He is on my list. He is a good one. Uh, number four for me, and I'll get to him later. Number four for me is Jadavion Clowney. Uh, for last three off seasons, Clowney has signed one year's deals to bol- bolster a team's pass rush. And in 2021, it was the Cleveland Browns. Clowney and Miles Garrett were a two headed menace. Clowney finished with nine sacks, which tied his second highest output of his career. Clowney has the flexibility of being an effective pass rusher, both inside and out. He's proved that, uh, throughout his career. Last off season, he signed a deal for 8 million for 2021. I think with the production, he raised his stock a little bit, probably signed another one-year deal, uh, and he's 29. So I've got a one-year $10 million deal. Chargers get that complimentary piece to Bosa with a, with, without the big commitment. And the Chargers got a top-five pass-rushing tandem right away. Uh, this makes a ton of sense if you're just looking to kind of fill that short-term edge role and let uh, Nwosu walk. Clowney makes a ton of sense. I like him at number four. Yeah, Clowney makes sense. Um, I considered him on my list. Some of the injury problems scare me a little bit, though. So sure. I didn't wind up putting him on my list. But I think it makes sense to have him on there. And he's also really good against the run. Oh, and he's effective playing over the guard. So over guards. So I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. Yeah, I like the flexibility there. So number three here is a, a huge swing. And uh, I, I think he will most likely hit the market and it's Chandler Jones of the Cardinals. Uh, he's a walking 10 sack disruptor. Only time he hasn't gotten 10 sacks is when he was hurt, including his 21, uh, 2021 season where he finished with 10 and a half sacks, went to the pro bowl, but he is our 31 year old rule. He's over 30, but um, this is just another sign of veteran uh, one that would really move the needle for the chargers and their pass rush. Uh, not only that, he's been the leader for the Cardinals defense ever since he landed in Arizona, his deal would probably be pretty hefty and uh, he's probably going to want 20 million. So you'd have to get like a one or two year deal there. Uh, it's kind of in line with what Frank Clark and Demarcus Lawrence got, but he's still one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, but at 32, it'd be hard to offer anything more than three years. You probably need an out after that first year. If you give him a two year deal, Chandler Jones requested a trade last se- last offseason, so it's a good bet that Jones hits the market. They weren't able to reach a deal, and they've been pretty far apart. Uh, they've been trying to work out a deal and haven't come very close. So cards are also strapped for cash, and they probably want to get a little bit younger, but this is a big splash move for the Chargers. Chandler Jones vaults the Chargers pass rush into the best duo in the league on paper. Uh, huge move. I know a lot of Charger fans are clamoring for it, but this is a short-term deal. You know, this is somebody that's going to help you one or two years. I don't see the signing him to a three, four year deal that everybody else does, but this is somebody that obviously helps out a hell of a pass rushers. One of the best ones in the NFL and would help the chargers defense. Yeah. Jones is on my list too. Um, not quite there yet, 
but yeah. he is on my list. Um, so my number three is actually Von Miller. And I had Miller okay. and Jones kind of interchangeable in the same area there. Um, like Ch- like Chandler Jones, uh, Miller's in his early 30s. Um, however, unlike Jones, there are some signs of decline um, with Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had He had the Achilles injury in 2020, missed two games last year with an ankle injury. The QB hits, QB knockdowns, pressures, and sack totals are all in decline since 2018. Now, some of that is injury-related. But when you're 30 plus and you start having problems with your wheels, you start to question how long you're going to hold up and, and how effective you're going to be off the edge. So um, I would not sign Von Miller for more than two years. I think you have to build in an out clause after year one. Um, I use Chandler Jones, Zadarius Smith, and Leonard Floyd as comps. And I'm at two years, $32 million with $28 million guaranteed. I build in the out clause after after year one, just in case. But if you're looking for short-term impact and a chance to make a real hard run at a Super Bowl right now over the next two years before Justin Herbert's contract expires, then right. Miller makes a lot of sense because he gives you a huge bump, takes a ton of pressure off of Joey Bosa, gives you a legitimate number two edge rusher. He's also pretty good against the run. Uh, he makes everybody on that defensive line a whole lot better. Uh, and again, he's 31, I think, if I'm not mistaken, a little younger than Chandler Jones, but um, still over 30, s- still have some misgivings about spending money on somebody over 30 in free agency. But I think he's good enough that he's still going to be pretty productive for the next year or two. I just wouldn't go past two years for him. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Von Miller is a good one. He's not on my list, but it makes a ton of sense. So talk to me about number two, Chandler Jones. So my number two is Chandler Jones. Um, and I think, you know, he's still one of the best edge rushers in the game. He's locked for 10 plus sacks when he plays a full season. He's got 52 quarterback hits, 76 pressures and 26 quarterback knockdowns in his last two full seasons. He does. He just turned 32. He turned, turned 32 two days ago. The numbers are declining a little, but he's still, he's been very durable and he's been productive. So I think he's a great guy to take pressure off of Bosa. Um, while the team drafts an edge. And it also gives you some flexibility in terms of being able to wait a little bit on drafting an edge. Maybe maybe you can wait until day two instead of doing it day one. Right. Um, I'm a little lower on him just because he's over 32 and there are some early signs of decline. Um, I, I used Yannick Ngakwe and Jason Pierre-Paul as comps. I have two years, $28 million with $22 million guaranteed. I think you get them with a higher guarantee and hopefully a lower average annual value i i would not go much over the 14 to 16 range with him i just think oh, it's wow. too much all right okay that's obviously a good one chandler jones uh, so number two is who you talked about a little bit earlier randy randy gregory for me um had his ups and downs in his career over the last two years proven he's one of the best pass rushers in the nfl finished 2021 with six sacks three forced fumbles and an interception he is a big part of why the Cowboys led the league in turnovers. He was always in the quarterback's lap. He is 29, so unlike Clowney or Jones, Gregory offers you a few more years and for less money, and that's why he's uh, higher up on my list. With all that other stuff behind him, Gregory's been improving over the last few years, uh, really could help on the outside as a rusher, and would help in the run game tremendously. I think Gregory lands somewhere between Matt Judon and Carl Lawson's deal. We were t- or It's about 13-15 per year. So I'd offer a two-year, $28 million deal. 
for an edge defender on the market who offers a lot of pass rush and won't have that hefty price tag as the top guys on the market, which makes this a really good fit for the Chargers in terms of production and value. So I particularly like Gregory. Um, while he's not the biggest name in this class, I like him because of the value in which we will get. And then also the Chargers will get, excuse me. And then also the production as well. So I've got Randy Gregory as my number two. I, I think he's a good one. Again, another guy I liked out of college too, even though he was a string bean coming out of Nebraska, I still <laughs> was a big fan of him. All right. So number one for me, uh, much like Gregory, not the biggest name on the list, uh, not the a big marquee ticket name, but a guy that I think will bring a lot of value. And that is Hassan Reddick from mm, the- Not who I was expecting. No, no. Oh, okay. All right. Reddick. Really? I'm curious to see who you think my number one was, but all right, hold on. So Reddick to me is an interesting case because he started his career as a middle linebacker, then transitioned into edge wrestler in 2020 as an edge. He's recorded 12 and a half and 11 sacks in back-to-back seasons with Staley. The Chargers defense has been a kind of a flexible three, four front, which makes Reddick a really, really good fit as a stand-up outside linebacker, but could also rush with his hand in the dirt. Reddick is an ascending pass rusher at 27, but isn't really generating the buzz and isn't going to get that top-end money. So to me, the two years at edge, getting 23 and a half sacks over that time is a pretty good sample size of what are things to come. His price tag is being projected at 11 million, but I think he's probably going to get closer to 14 million. Kind of what Trey Hendrickson got with the Bengals, another ascending player. Uh, he got four years, 60 million. I think Reddick would add a ton of juice off the edge, is on the upswing, still on 27, and wouldn't generate top dollar. So that's why he's my number one. You get the talent at the, por- at the position of what, uh, at the portion of what the edge market will earn. You significantly upgrade your pass rush and you have enough to spend elsewhere. So while he's not the biggest name, the production value, Hassan Reddick, my number one. Who did you think my number one was? I thought you were going to go with Emmanuel Ogba, who's my number one. Oh, okay. All right. But Ogba is a guy who, again, we've been doing this show for so long. The guys that we panned in in the draft are now coming becoming free agents, and this is a guy that we ripped mercilessly coming yeah. out of the draft. We hated him, Oklahoma State, and it yeah. took him a while to catch on. He was drafted uh-huh. by the Browns, got traded to the Chiefs, kind of bounced around a little bit, but he found a home in Miami. And this is a guy who's had nine sacks each of the last two years as Miami's primary edge rusher. He's recorded 75 pressures, 29 hurries, and 26 quarterback knockdowns uh, to go along with uh, 45 quarterback hits over the last two years. He's an ascending player. He's 29 years old, but he's not one of the elite guys in this class, so he's not going to command top money, and he probably won't command more than three years because he's 29 years old. So I think this is a guy who would be really good opposite Joey Bosa. He can stand up. He can play with his hand in the dirt. He's a terrific pass rusher, and he would only get better playing alongside Bosa. So I have a three-year, $36 million contract with $25 million guaranteed. I use Sam Hubbard, Preston Smith, Yannick Ngakwe, and Josh Sweat as comps. I wound up basically at twenty at $12 million a year. Um, so kind of not quite Yannick Ngakwe, Josh Sweat levels, but just a tick above Hubbard and Preston Smith because he's been more productive than those two guys. Um but I think I think uh, Agba would be a really good fit, and he's come a long way since we ripped him a new one when he came out in the draft <laughs> six years ago or whatever it was. Was not worth his draft value. I will I will stand by that. 
Um, that was kind of what we were ripping them on. But yes, a, a great addition. And I think when we're talking about these edge players, we we were mentioning Nuosu and everything, but we did. Uh, if you haven't heard the draft podcast, we covered edges, but we talked about how deep the edge class is uh, this year. And then also when you look at this free agent class, we didn't, we, you talked about all the names that we talked about, we, but we didn't mention guys like Derek Barnett or Jerry Hughes or some of the other veterans that you could put on the edge for a couple of years. And when you think about what a Nuos is going to give you for the value and the money, you've got so many options here, not only in the draft, but in free agency to replace Nuosu that if you bring back Nuosu and you're bringing him back as your second edge, and your edge number two opposite Joey Bosa, at this point, with everything on the table now, it is nothing more than a bad business decision in my mind. If you bring him back as a depth guy, it makes sense. But the price tag he's going to come as is not worth the edge three in my mind to bring back Nuosu. I agree. And if you're, you know, if you're looking at what he's going to sign for, I think you're probably looking at spending somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 million, maybe a little bit more for him. Uh-huh. Yep. And if you're willing to spend 10 million for him, then there's no reason you shouldn't be able to spend 12 to 14 or 16 million for somebody like Ogba or Jones or mm-hmm. Miller. Um, it's not that big of a leap. And the, the level of production is much higher with these other guys. So doubled, if not tripled in my mind. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. it, it, it becomes even more difficult as much. And I like Nuosu. I, I said, when we talked about, the Chargers free agencies. I like him. I've la- yeah. I didn't like him as much when they drafted him, but I've grown to like him over the last few years. But I'm not sure he is going to play up to, let alone ex- outplay his next contract. And that scares me a little bit because I think they're going to overpay him and get stuck with a bad contract. Yeah, I know. I uh, yeah, we. I mean, we both mentioned it. We we liked his progression, and I think his last year. He is, he is somewhat on the uptick, but I just don't think he will ever be more than a rotational edge defender in my mind as a pass rusher. He's not going to be that number one, number two, like you saw with Bosa and Ingram for a few years. I, I just don't think Nuosu will get there. So, yeah, if you're going to give $10 million to Nuosu and ask him to be number two, I just I, why not spend two to four more million and get a Miller, Agba, Redick, or somebody of that caliber where he gets so much more production and value. And then you talk about the draft class and you're, you're talking about guys that I think right away could step in and, and outproduce Nuosu. So, you know, I, I just think when you look at this class, it's it's too deep in free agency, it's too deep in the draft to give Nuosu $10 million and expect him to be the second edge opposite Bosa. Totally All right. agree. So let's go on to our last one. Over an hour here, but we're s- still trucking. Top five interior defensive linemen. Jamie, who's number five for you? So my number five is somebody who, again, I like coming out in the draft uh, <laughs> several years ago. It's Austin Johnson. Um, Penn State. The Titans and the Giants. Yeah, Penn State. <laughs> Get me lying. Um, we even remember the school they came from. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, I like Johnson as a two-down run-stuffing nose tackle. He's extremely athletic. He's smart. You can see him on film chasing down screen, diagnosing and chasing down screams, uh, screens. Um, he's also athletic enough to push the pocket. Um, he had four sacks this, this season, and his snap counts went up way up this year. His snap count more than doubled any previous year in 2021, resulting in career highs in tackles, sacks, pressures, TFL, and QB hits. He's also extremely durable. He's played in at least 16 games in each of the last five seasons. 
and he's entering his physical prime. Um, I think he should come relatively inexpensively just because I think some teams will view him as a two down nose tackle, but I think he has the upside of being able to be, while not a highly productive pass rusher in terms of sacks, I think he can pr- push the pocket and create pressure and help pin quarterbacks in the pocket. So I like Johnson. I think, you know, if you're looking for a kind of a bargain signing, he's really good. I used Morgan Fox at 4 million, Chris Wormley at four and a half million and Malcolm Brown at five and a half million as comps. I have a two year, $10 million deal with four and a half million dollars guaranteed. I wouldn't even object to giving him a three year deal because like I said, he is 27, but I think Johnson is a guy who would come in and make a huge difference right away. Um, in the run game and would probably produce more as a pass as an interior rusher than people give him credit for. And he's a guy who would outperform his next contract, I think pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the cusp of my list didn't make it, but he, I was interchanging him and I ended up going with Sebastian Joseph day as my number five, just because it makes so much sense on the f- surface with the familiarity of Joseph day and Staley with the Rams. But with Staley as his DC at his most run stops, And in 2022, the Rams struggled without Joseph in the interior in the run game. Joseph Day is one of the best emerging run stoppers in the NFL, was on his way to cash in on that this offseason. If it weren't for a torn peck he suffered uh, in 2021, that might drop his price tag that and he doesn't have those big gaudy stats that would push his price up. But the Chargers need a space eater and Joseph Day is that while also being an excellent run defender, he is only 26 really starting to grow as a pass rusher as well in 2021. If you watch Sebastian Joseph Day, it's pretty easy to see why he is so good at what he does, but teams probably aren't going to throw that much money at him, and especially without the sack numbers. I think he's probably in that 6 to $7 million range. You're talking three-year, $21 million for him. I think that makes sense. The familiarity with Brandon Staley helps, but the skill set and the role with the Chargers defense should make him a priority in free agency. I got him as number five, SJD. Uh, yeah, he's my number four. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, then why don't you talk about him? Well, you just talked about him, but <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a guy who's really established himself as a stout run defender, mm-hmm. uh, has the ability to play, make plays up and down the line of scrimmage while also eating space. He's also developing as an interior rusher. He's not somebody who's going to ra- rack up huge sack totals, but he did have three sacks in seven games in 2021 before he got hurt. So he was ascending as a pass rusher before his injury uh, was also on his way to setting career highs and tackles and tackles for loss um, before he got hurt last year. Um, I think the numbers look great. He fits the need in terms of a run stuffer and there's an obvious scheme fit. The reason he isn't higher on my list. And I see a lot of chargers fans saying he should be, you know, number one or number two on their list just because he used to play for Brandon Staley. Uh-huh. I think the question I have about him is, whether or not the production continues if he's not playing alongside Aaron Donald. I think that's a pretty big question just because Aaron Donald is such a special talent and teams have to account for him Mm -hmm. that Joseph day will probably see more double teams inside than he normally, than he normally would playing alongside Aaron Donald. So how will he produce in those circumstances? Um, It might be very different for him as a nose tackle. Um, so I wouldn't overcommit to him, but we're in the same range. I'm at three years, 22 million with about $12 million in guarantees. I used Ashawn Robinson, Puna Ford and Roy Robertson Harris as comps, uh, to come up with my numbers. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I, I, I do like him and the Aaron Donald effect is for real. 
on the Rams. All right, number four for me, uh, staying in the same division, NFC West, is DJ Jones from the 49ers. He isn't a hot name uh, among the interior defenders, but he put up some big production with the 49ers in 2021, collected 40 run stops, 14 tackles for a loss or no gain. Only Aaron, Aaron Donald had as many stops, speaking of which, as Jones did last season. Not only did he get the job done in the run game, but he also had his career best in tackles, pressures, QB hits, and forced fumbles. Jones was a free agent last year. He signed a proven deal with San Francisco for $3.5 million to return in 2021. DJ Jones is a nose who is on the field more than most at his position too, which is a big plus. He was on the field for 51% of the time on defense last season and Shanahan rotated DJ Jones from zero tech to three tech last year. So DJ Jones is a young nose who is one of the better run stoppers in the NFL who can also get after the quarterback at times. It is a skill set that is still developing and improving as we saw in 2021. The downside for Jones is he's never had more than three sacks in a year, and some teams may just view him as a traditional nose, which means for DJ, probably less money. I've got him in the six to seven million dollar range. He's 27. I'd sign him to a three-year deal. We're talking three-year 21 million. So for the Chargers, I think you can do just what Shanahan does, put him in the middle on first down, let him absorb blocks in the run game, uh, move him out on second or third down, and DJ Jones becomes a valuable run-stuffing option for the Chargers. I like DJ Jones a lot. I uh, had him kind of down my list, up my list. He ended up landing at number four for me. He's on my list. Uh, <laughs> not quite there yet, but he is on okay. my list. Um, All right. So my number three is actually – E.J. Hill from the Bengals. Same here. Guy who had a huge, huge second season, or a huge season in Cincinnati this year. It was his second year with at least five sacks uh, since he came into the league. He's a guy who took over as the Bengals starting three technique when Larry Ogunjobi hurt his foot and played a massive role in their playoff run. Uh, like I said, he finished with five and a half sacks this year, had 28 pressures. Hill was also very productive against the run. His playing time did wane a little bit with the Giants uh, after they traded for Leonard Williams in 2019, but he's a guy who has always been highly productive with consistent playing time. I think his value might get depressed a little bit just because teams might view him more as a situational interior rusher than an every down defensive tackle. But I think he's a guy who could play three technique. He could play some five technique. You can kick him inside on third down if you need to and have him play nose. Uh, I used... Carlo Tulele, Roy Robertson Harris, uh, David Onemata, and Shelby Harris as uh, comps for him. I have a three year, $24 million deal with $11 million guaranteed for BJ Hill. He's a guy who I think slides in really well as the interior rusher that they really want and think Justin Jones and Jerry Tillery are, but they're really not. Um, it would be a huge upgrade. If they do decide to keep Justin Jones, hopefully on a low on a low level deal as a backup, it would make them much deeper with Jones and Tillery as backups instead of starters. Uh, I think BJ Hill is a fantastic player who would add a lot to this defense, and he would probably make Jones and Tillery better. Jones having played with him in college, and Tillery not having to play as much and being able to focus more on pass rushing. So I, I agree with you. I mean, he's my number three, too. And this is the defensive tackle, like we covered in the draft, that they should have drafted out of NC State. 
BJ Hill and not Justin Jones. Uh, this is the three tech that the Chargers could really use in the middle of their line. Coming off a season where he had a career high in sacks and pressures at 25, he's one of the better run defenders in the NFL where he elevated the Cincy run defense last year. The Bengals were a bottom five unit in 2020. And then the trade happened where BJ Hill got traded from the Giants to the now Cincinnati Bengals, and they moved up to a top 10 run defense in 2021. That's the kind of impact a guy like BJ Hill has. He is a stout run defender with some plus pass rushing traits. He's coming off a rookie contract, and he's only had over five sacks in his career twice. The other two years, he only had one sack. So the product was kind of getting lost in a heavy defensive front with the Giants where he was in a rotation. He got more of a... Um, uh, more playing time in Cincinnati and he improved and showed it. But with that said, I don't think Hill will give teams more than 10 million a year. I've got him at 8 million. So three-year deal, $8 million annually. This is a long-term investment in the trenches with a three tech of the future by adding a guy like BJ Hill. This would be huge for the chargers defense. Yeah, I agree. And I, I should have said this earlier when I was looking at my defensive tackles, I kind of took the path of, okay, we need to address the run defense and we also need to address the interior pass rush. So mm -hmm. as we work our way up my list, what mm -hmm. we have is an interior pass rusher in BJ Hill. I, I tried to find a couple pass rushers in the middle of the list and run stuffers at the top of the list with the idea of getting one of each, mm. hopefully. Got you. Yeah. So that's my, that's kind of my plan here. So, so my number two is DJ Jones. Um, from the 49ers. I think he's probably the best run stuffing interior defensive lineman in the league over the last two years. His tackle for losses have increased each of the last two years. He led the NFL on run stop win rate in 2021. Um, he's not a prolific pass rusher, but he did record seven sacks over the last three years and all of his stats, including his pressures are up over the last couple of years. So this is a guy who is getting better as a pass rusher and is ascending to becoming an elite run stuffer in the league. Um, and he also has a benefit, like you mentioned, he doesn't have a ton of mileage on his body. He has not been a starter for very long, so he should be pretty fresh. I think he's going to command a little bit more um, in free agency than you do. I, I used okay. – so I started with Roy Robertson-Harris and Michael Pierce as kind of the low-level comps, and my high-level comps are Dalvin Tomlinson and Eddie Goldman. I have a four-year, $44 million deal with $27 million guaranteed. I think he's going to be the run-stuffing – defensive tackle on the free agent market. And I think he's going to get bit up and he's going to be expensive, which is why he's my number two and not my number one. But man, would I love to have him in the middle of the Chargers defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. We're running across a lot of the same names. I, I would love all of them. Really. I would love yep. all of them. <laughs> <laughs> just two, please. I'll just take two. Um, one number of each. Two, yeah. One of each. Uh, two for me is uh, a name we all know uh, tied to Brandon Staley. It's Akeem Hicks. From the Bears, he's my number two. Uh, this seems to be probably the signing that has the best chance of happening in my mind this offseason. There are the ties to Staley in Chicago, obviously, but Tom Telesco, every offseason, when they need a defensive tackle, they sign an old veteran interior lineman. It's like Brandon Meebane. He did it with Linville Joseph. They clog up the middle for two to three years, and then they're on to the next vet. So this is what a Tom Telesco move looks like with Akeem Hicks. But with Hicks signing unlike me bain and joseph this edition would actually be the best interior lineman on the market so he'd actually be getting the best one available 
He is a big zero tech in play, but offers a versatility to kick out wide to five tech on the line. This is not only a boost of the run defense, but it's also a shot in the arm in the interior pass rush as well. Two of his last three seasons, he's kind of battled some injuries, including 2021, but he still managed three and a half sacks, nine QB hits, five tackles for a loss. The Bears and his Hicks were at an impasse last offseason. They could not get an extension done. Uh, I, the odds are it will not work this offseason, which uh, Chicago probably will not re-sign him and they will attempt to get younger. But for the vet, I'd offer a two-year deal. I've got him at kind of the same deal that uh, the Chargers gave Linville Joseph in 2020, eight and a half per year. That's two years, 17 million. Kim Hicks is the best run stopper in free agency with an impressive football resume, but he is 32 which is our over 30 rule, but this is a short-term fix. Um, and that is why he is not my number one, but this is an easy, easy plug and play, improve your defensive line right away. Day one, even at 32 years old, Akeem Hicks, you Hicks did not make my list. Okay. Um, not because I don't like him as a player. The 30, the over 30 thing uh-huh. hurt the injuries yep. starting to add up hurt. Yep. Um, I, I would totally get it if they signed him. I wouldn't hate it. Um, he could have easily been four or five on my list. I just mm-hmm. there were so many young options on the list, guys who can be here for multiple years, um, who are ascending that I had a hard oh. time putting him on the list, even though I'm sure they're probably gonna sign him. It seems like it's a no-brainer, like it's it was done probably months ago. Yeah, I'm sure it's gonna happen. My number one is um Foley Fatukasi. Yes. Yes, Jamie. Here we go. Mine number one, too. So Lightning Round Podcast approved. Yes. Lorenzo uh, Fadukasi. So Foley Fadukasi, uh, he has been among the top five in, in de- uh, been among the top five of defensive tackles in run stop win rate over the last mm-hmm. two years at 42 and 43% respectively. He is a very steady source of tackles for loss, even though he doesn't provide much in the way of sacks. And his productive his productivity has increased every year he's been in the league. Foley is he's only started 23 games in four years. So he's not a guy who's gonna have a lot of wear and tear on his body. So he should be fresh. And like I said, he's ascending. So there should be room for growth. Um he was borderline elite from 29 to 2020. Saw his PFF grade take a hit in 2021 due to lar- in large part to his sack rate dropping off. But I think the value and contract length will be depressed a little bit due to the fact that he's never started 16 games in a season and he really doesn't offer much in the way of a pass rush. I used Ashawn Robinson and Puna Ford as comps. I have a three-year, $20 million deal with $14 million guaranteed. Yep. I could see it leaking into a fourth year somewhere in the $27, $28 million range very easily. Um, so he should be just a shade somewhere in the $7 million year range is where I have him. I think he'd be a home run if they can get him and BJ Hill or him and Sebastian Joseph day or DJ Jones. I mean, the thing with him and Jones is they're both run stuffers primarily. I don't know that you really want to sign both of them. I think you sign one and then you focus on the interior pass rush um, after you sign one of those guys, but Fadukasi would be a huge upgrade in the middle of this line. He should not be terribly expensive. He would be a massive upgrade over Justin Jones. And if they're smart in the way they go about re-signing Justin Jones and they treat him like a rotational piece, you could theoretically get both of those guys and really help the defensive line. Mm -hmm. So I think it makes a lot of sense. 
Absolutely. That's why he's my number one, too. Yeah, he was fourth last year in run-stop rate. Uh, he was a rotational piece early on, won the starting job, and the Jets' run defense has been better for it. And uh, part of the fall-off in stats last year was the switch to 4-3. Robert Sala installed, and you've got a 6-4-3-18 D lineman having to cover more ground in Sala's system, and it just wasn't a great fit there. So, I mean, he's, he's put himself in the conversation is one of the best emerging nose tackles in the league for a few years now. Um, and like you mentioned, he doesn't offer a ton of pass rush, but he did have 16 uh, pressures this past season. It was the most of his career. We have the around the same. I've got him seven annually, so it's three years, 21 million. So one million less than you, but we're in the same ballpark. And this is the one of the best signing values in free agency, especially on the defensive line, where he can go back to his natural position, instantly upgrade the Chargers' run defense. He is a space eater, a wall generator in the run game, and he does it all at a high level. It is a long-term investment on the D-line that will help everybody else around them. Fadu Kasi makes too much sense. I absolutely love him. Going to be the best value signing among these defensive linemen. So he's number one for me as well. And as we were talking about Nuosu in the other group, you, were, you just mentioned Justin Jones. We mentioned a bunch of names. We didn't mention guys like Calais Campbell, who could be a vet to plug up the middle. Larry, Larry Joby almost made my list with the Bengals. You got Quentin Jefferson, Jerron Reed, Malik Collins. There's a lot of defensive linemen that you can still get a lot more production out of, more than you would a Justin Jones at around the same rate that Justin Jones will be getting on the market. So, Again, another guy, like you said, if you're saying, Justin Jones, you are now a rotational depth piece and that's how we're going to pay you, it makes a ton of sense. If you pay him to be a starter and you've got guys like Jones and Hill and Fadukasi and Johnson and Campbell and Hicks and uh, Joseph Day on the market and you don't sign him. And Naughty and Tim Settle and Harrison yeah. <laughs> Phillips and Daquan Jones. And yeah, it's an endless list. Oh, man. There's a bevy of guys you can sign here and get a lot better production than Justin Jones. There's a really, really, really strong argument for not bringing Justin Jones back at all after looking at this defensive line. The, yeah. The interior defense. They line. can theoretically sign three guys in free agency, get a starting nose tackle, a situational pass rusher who can play on first and second down, and maybe an, another, you know, depth piece and yeah. really make huge strides on this line. Absolutely. It makes too much sense. So we did it. Our top defensive free agents almost 90 minutes later. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure to go uh, be a part of our Patreon, join our Discord, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast, all that mess. I am at Garrett on Twitter. Jamie? At Lightning underscore round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.